23. I don't want to take up too much more time, but we've been talking about missing pieces, okay, missing pieces. And our text that we've been using is Colossians 1 and 19. It says this, for it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your own mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled you in the body of his flesh through his death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you, here we go, continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the anointing in this place to find the missing pieces of our life. Lord, we'll no longer look for them in alcohol, in drugs, in the club, in sex, in food, in illicit relationships. But Lord, we're here in the house of God today looking to you to restore the missing pieces. And Father, you said if we would seek, we would find. I believe and I declare missing pieces coming back into people's lives. Things that they've lived without the holes that they've lived without, Father, I pray right now you're going to fill those things and put these pieces into place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We spent a lot of time talking about things, and if you haven't heard most of these messages, please go on the podcast, do yourself a favor, and and listen to these on the way to work, because I believe God is doing something significant in these messages and in this word, and I say it all the time, if God is going to change your life, he's going to use the people you meet, the books you read, and the messages you hear, okay? That's what he's going to work through. That's how God works, you know, uh, and so we've got to be keyed in on those things. And so that's why we say you, you hear you hear preachers say it all the time. Come to church. It's, it's going to change your life. Listen, that's not just preacherisms and, and stuff like that. It's called revelation knowledge. And we understand that if somebody hears the right thing at the right time, it could alter everything. And I believe that's what these times are. We've been spending time in Colossians and Colossians says that everything that we need is found in him. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a lot of needs. And many of us have needs because we didn't get things met in our childhood. And that's what we've been talking about. We've talked about the uh, the 12 emotional needs of every individual. And I'll tell you this right now. This is worth the price of admission alone because most people don't know what it is they need. And if you don't know what you need, how can you get the need met? Most people just walking around broken knowing that they're not okay and not knowing how to fix it. Well, go ahead and put those needs up there on the screen. These emotional needs that we've been talking about and trying to get you to understand are things that you've got to come into contact and be really honest with yourself, male or female, that, man, I'm lacking some of these things. And the first one being acceptance. The second one being approval. The third one being encouragement. The fourth, security. The fifth, affection. The sixth, support. The seventh, comfort. Eighth, respect. Nine, attention. Uh, uh, Ten, appreciation. Eleven, identity. And twelve, correction or structure. Every individual on the planet Earth 
has these emotional needs. And the structure that God has designed to get these needs met in our life is the structure of family. And herein lies the problem. Because as I said earlier, nothing is under attack more in our nation than the family. Can I get a good strong amen on that? It's not going to be a government that fixes our problems. It's going to be returning back to family values, family morals, and those types of things. If we want to affect society, if we want to lift lives, we've got to begin to take care of our families. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> and so these 12 things God has ordained to be, to be met and built in our lives through the family. And why is the family so significant? Well, you have to understand the roles in a family, which I believe in America we don't understand. We don't understand what family's about. Most of us have ideas about it. We say things like family first, dude. Come on, man. Family first. We have all these things. We get the tattoos and everything. Come on, don't be mad at me. We like the concept of family first. Thank you, my brother. We like the concept of those things, but we really, truly don't understand what that means. And it's the church's job to put people in touch with heaven's culture and how God has wanted things to be. Amen? Because who created man and woman? Don't be saying monkeys. God did that. So everything that's created okay, comes with uh, directions or instructions from the mind of the manufacturer. And the manufacturer of man, of relationships, of family is God. It's not Oprah. Quit listening to her like that. She might have some good things every now and again, but you know who is in charge of this thing? God. That's who we should be going to, to get our roles, to get how things are supposed to work in the home. Not from your tia or your tío. Definitely not your drunk friends. We're always going to take your side. You ever notice that? Your drunk friends are always going to take your side. That's jacked up, fool. They're always going to take your side. Don't, don't listen to that. We've got to learn how to listen to God. And these emotional needs are supposed to be met through the family. But we don't know what family's about. Look at Matthew chapter 6, 31 through 33. Now, before we could get these missing pieces get given back into our lives and uh, find these missing pieces and have them put into our lives, we've got to change what we're focusing on, and we've got to change what our motive is in life, okay? So what I'm believing God to do this morning is, is, is do a paradigm shift in every single one of us right now. Because what we say is important is not what we show is important. There's not a person here, if I said, is God important, you would say no. You'd all say, yes, God's important. There's not a person here, if I said, is family important, you'd all say, yes, family's important. But then when we look at your life and we see where you spend your time, we see where you spend your money, for the most part, it ain't on your family. And it ain't on God. Because when it comes to time, well, we give God this block from 10 to 1130, maybe 12. 
And if we go a little bit late, somebody's upset. Somebody's mad. He, he preached a little long today, didn't he? Dang. Got a lot, little long-winded today, didn't he? Whoa. He better work on that or I'm going to go to this other church over here. They get out every time in 60 minutes. Come on, I hear the conversations. These ears are big for a reason, y'all. So, why you got my wife dying over here? So, so you know, we, we say the right thing, but yet we're chasing something else. What are, what, are, what are all of us chasing to some degree, but some of us make it too big of an issue? We're chasing provision. We're chasing status. We're chasing careers. We're chasing money. Come on. We're chasing goods. Some of us chasing clothing, shoes, all that kind of stuff. Houses, handbags, heels. I better pull back before I get in trouble here. But look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, 31 through 33. He says, why do you worry about clothing? See how the flowers of the field grow. Do they not labor or spin? Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. And look at verse 31. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Here it is, verse 32. For the pagans, the ungodly, the unsaved, they run after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. And here it is. But seek first his kingdom his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So what needs to happen in the life of a believer? What needs to happen in the life of a believer is we need a shift in our mentality, in our psyche, to what is really important. And when we shift in our mind, in our psyche, our focus begins to be on the kingdom of God, and it is in the kingdom that we find the missing pieces. But see, here's the problem. Some of us ain't even seeking the kingdom. You just going to church. This is a problem with most of America. We just go to church. Nothing changes. Nothing's challenged. We don't do nothing. We just go to church. And let me tell you about just going to church. Just going to church will produce a life that sucks the life out of you. Y'all thought I was just stopping at that one point, didn't you? <laughs> a life where you just go into church, usually your, your strength and your life will be spent just on that. And it's never meant to be become a Christian, sit in a chair on Sundays. Become a Christian, sit in a chair and learn some things. Not it. It's supposed to be give your life to Jesus, seek the kingdom, find everything you need, baby. Find everything you need. Find every missing piece. Find every key to success. Come on, and another one. And another one. Another one. That's how it should be. You find every key to success 
in the kingdom. But what the problem is, I can't get people to focus, get their focus on the kingdom because they're so focused on other things that they think are important. Listen, those things are important, but they're not more important. They're not more important. God wants you to be successful, but not at the expense of your life, of your sanity, of your wholeness. See, we got things backwards. We chase success when we should chase the kingdom to become whole, and then success will chase us. Everything you need chases you. We're chasing, chasing, chasing. The only thing we should be chasing is God and his kingdom. Because he says here, if you seek it first, and emphasis on first, because some of us are seeking it, it just ain't first. Listen, we're all seeking it. We wouldn't be in church on a Sunday. We all have a degree of seek in us. But what God's trying to get you to do, put it first. Put it first. And when you put it first, he says, all these things. Everybody say all. All All these things come into your life. What things is he talking about? The things the world is chasing. What they're chasing, we get as a byproduct. But see, here's the problem. Most people, they're not putting him first. They're not seeking him first. And I've spent three weeks, four weeks trying to tell you, y'all got missing pieces. You're not going to find them in your past. You're not going to find them in the club. You're not going to find them in people, in relationships, in drugs, in sorrow, in education, in careers. You ain't going to find them because if you could find them there, people would find them. And look at Hollywood. They got the money. They got the status. They got the success. But they're all still full of holes. They can't, they can't stay married. Come on. Well, there's, there's somebody every year commits suicide in Hollywood or, you know, drug overdose or something. What is that? They have everything, but they ain't got the missing pieces. Because you can't get them in success. You can't get them in sex. You can't get them in relationships. Got to get them in God. And what does he tell us? Seek and you'll find. It's a promise. But we're not seeking. We're doing religious duties. We go to church. You know, it's funny. You ask people why they go to church, they'll give you the craziest reasons. Because I just feel better after I go. That's cool. That's that's cool. It should make you feel better. But that ain't ain't the reason you should be here. Well, I, I just, you know, it makes me feel closer. It's all about feelings. You got to understand the reason we come to church is to seek God, his will, his presence. Amen. The Bible talks about Adam in the Garden of Eden. We talked about this with the singles this week. If you seek God's presence and his will, you find your spouse. That's what happened with Adam, right? Adam was in the will of God, walked with God in the cool of the day, and then God gave him Eve right there. That's worth the price of admission right there. See, some of you ain't finding his presence or his will. You're at the club. Hello, faces. I don't know any other club, so I'm stuck right there. <clears throat> I could take you somewhere back in the day, but those, those clubs ain't open no more, so I want to date myself second level and whatnot, uh, the Davis graduate and stuff. But... Uh, <clears throat> 
you know, you, you, we're seeking the wrong things. We've got to seek the presence and his will, which in a nutshell is the kingdom. And if we seek the kingdom, we find everything. Now look at Matthew chapter 13, 10 and 11. It says this, and the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to the people in parables? And listen to verse 11. Listen to what Jesus says. And he answers and says to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but not to them. Now, this always kind of troubled me. Like, okay, God, you, you, Jesus, you playing favorites here? How come you preaching to the masses and it's in code? He's telling stories about seeds and fishermen and trees and, and all this stuff. But when he's with his 12 disciples, he breaks it down. Okay, guys, this is what I was talking about. Boom, 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 boom. And gives it to him very clear. One day the disciples notice this and they say, man, God, those people need to know this. And he tells them, no, they can't have it. Only you can. Only you can have it. And it almost sounds messed up. But see, that's where that's, it sounds messed up to people that don't want to do anything, don't want to pay a cost and don't want to put an effort. Why did he give it to the disciples and not the masses? Because the disciples left everything. Oh, come on, somebody. The disciples said, it's not about my success anymore. It's about serving you. What do you want to do? The crowds came for the chicken dinners, the fish fries. Come on. The loaves and the fishes. Oh, Jesus is handing out fish dinners after. Oh, I'm there. Oh, it's still a fact. Our highest attended Sundays is when we have food afterwards. Come on. Y'all know it. Y'all know it. Y'all know it. In the five years of this church, any church for that matter, when there's food, people come. So as long as Jesus was giving out fish dinners, loaves, people were coming. As long as Jesus was doing miracles, healing the sick, people were coming. But you know what was something about Jesus? He wasn't fooled by them. He says, I'm going to give you what you want. And he gave it to him. He healed him, fed him. But he said, I'm not going to give you these things here, because these keys to the kingdom only come, listen now, when you seek me first, when you seek me first. And there's some of us been coming to church all of our lives and your life don't change. It don't ever change. And you think something's wrong with the church. Something's wrong with the pastor. Something's wrong with you change churches. You go to this church over here now. Nothing changes. I'm going to take all those excuses because, remember, it's losers that have excuses. Winners don't have excuses. Put a mic in front of somebody that wins a championship, there's no excuses. Put a mic in front of the team that loses. Put a mic in front of somebody that loses. Where do they go? Well, it was a little too hot out there. and I couldn't really see. Loser. <laughs> you got beat. Put a mic in front of a Christian. Why aren't you? Well, I got to work all the time. And I, loser. <laughs> you didn't like that one. I know. A little, a little too close to home. Too close to home there, Pastor. Back it on up a little bit. But see, Jesus broke it down and said, here's the thing. You can have it, but it's got to be first. It's got to be first. So my question to us this morning is, how bad do you want these missing pieces? 
God wants to give them to us, but we've got to get some things in order. We got to be like the disciples were. Leave everything behind for Jesus and the kingdom. And it's in this place that Matthew 6, 33 says, uh, I will restore all these. I will give all these things unto you, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given unto you. What things? The 12 emotional needs, I believe. As well as all the things he listed there about what the pagans are chasing. But as we're dealing with this, you know where we find them? When we put the kingdom first. You want to get over that hurt that you've been living with without having a dad? You're going to find it by putting the kingdom first. You want to get over that, uh, that, that, that thing that's been on you since you got raped? You're going to find it in the kingdom. You want to get healing from that molestation, that abuse? Success won't do it. A relationship won't do it. Put the kingdom first and all these things will be added unto you. The missing piece that makes you so hard to live with. The anger that you express towards your wife, towards your kids, and you know it ain't about them. It's you're just missing a piece. You find it in the kingdom. Twelve emotional needs, acceptance, approval, encouragement, security, affection, support, comfort, respect, attention, appreciation, identity, correction. What's important about knowing those things is now you can look for them. Where? In his kingdom. Because I already told you last week, you ain't going to find it anywhere else. If it could be found anywhere else, people would find it. And you could read the newspapers and see people ain't finding it. People are living in hurts and wounds. But where are we supposed to look? We're supposed to look in God. Ephesians 1, 3, and 6. You can look on the screen. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace. And here it is, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. So what does God do with a generation? Because let me tell you something. It's, it's, it's all of us in here. What does God do with a generation that has been raised by dysfunctional parents? What does God do with a generation that, had fought, that didn't have a father, didn't have a mom that was, could really truly be a mom because she was trying to do both? What does God do with a generation like that? He sends his son to die. And in his death, his blood covers us. And in that coverage, it wipes out every blemish. But here's something else the blood does. The blood binds us together with other believers. And it does something supernatural that if you'll get to see this, your life will change forever. It binds us together with other believers, creating families. Families. The church is not just a house of worship. It's a family. It's a connection. It is a place where God will begin to meet the 12 needs that we didn't get growing up. But here's the problem. If you're not seeking God first, you can't connect to the church. Because there'll always be an excuse. Well, it's my work. Well, it's this. Well, it's that. 
well, it's this thing, it's that thing. Well, I don't like this, and that person said that, and I'm hurt, and they shouldn't have did that. Listen, man, we can have excuses all day, but excuses are for the end of the day. We got to look in the mirror and we got to decide I'm going to do this thing or I'm not. I'm going to do this thing or I'm not. And if I'm going to do this thing, I'm going to get, I'm going to see God restore everything I didn't get from my dad. Now, let's, let's talk about the dad, because for some reason, it always comes back to the father in the home. It always comes back to the father in the home. And we've got to understand why this is. Well, to understand why this is, we've got to understand the Bible. And we've got to understand the structure. We've got to understand the purpose of a man. Because some of you are married to a man that you don't even know his purpose. And when you don't know the purpose of a thing, abuse is inevitable, said the great Miles Monroe. You don't know the purpose of a thing, abuse is inevitable. If you don't know why you have a man and what his purpose is in your life, wives, you're going to abuse him. Oh, pastor, that sounds ridiculous. How can I abuse my wife? You know how you can abuse somebody? By not treating them the way they're supposed to be treated. By not recognizing their purpose and dealing with them accordingly. Oh, this is getting too good in here. Now, please, you got to know my track record. I'm going to say some things in here that some knucklehead or two, because there's always two, knuckleheads run in twos. There's always a knucklehead somewhere that will misinterpret something a preacher says and take it a wrong way. And the reason that is is because some people have a wicked spirit. And the word, the word wicked basically means twisted. You ever been around somebody that twists what you say? Yeah. That's the definition of wickedness. Yeah. You say one thing, they twist it, and they say, oh, you said, I didn't mean it like that. You're twisting my words. You're wicked. There's always somebody here. But so let me, let me present to you my track record. I, I, am, I, I am all about women, okay? Hear that right, because you could twist that the wrong way. <laughs> Oh, don't be wicked up in here. I am about promoting women in leadership. I am about treating women, women as equals. And even in a marriage, the Bible talks about submitting one to another. Listen, I'm not the only pastor of this church. My wife and I co-pastor this church. Okay. Our pastoral team has ladies on it. I wish some of you would get over your own misconceptions about what a woman can do, but I don't have those. We have a youth leader, and she is a lady. I don't have a problem with that. She's a great lady. I'm very proud of her. She says that's such a great job. So I'm not one of these guys that's like, let me keep women down. That ain't me, but I'm going to have to say some things to adjust some people's thinking that if you wanted to, you could twist it another way and, 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 and miss it, and I don't want you to. But in order to understand restoring the home and some of these pieces, because here, not only do we got to get the pieces back in our life, we've got to present a life where we can now meet these needs and these pieces in our children's lives. So we've got some dads here that didn't have a dad that now you got kids. Let me just be real upfront with you. You're in trouble unless God intercedes. But here's, here's the good news. God will intercede if you seek him first. 
and he'll make you the best dad even though you didn't have one. Why? Because he's the greatest father ever known. But you got to seek him. You got to. And if I was you, if I had to change jobs, if I had to move locations, if I had to switch careers, I'm getting God. Don't make excuses anymore. Come on, excuses are for? You want God, get him. If you got to move alone, you cut off all your friends, turn off social media. Come on, move out your apartment because you got a knucklehead for a, for a roommate. Do whatever it takes because you got, you got something to lose. We've got to understand dads that we if you didn't have a father that should make you run to God the father that much more because you are at a deficit but it's not a deficit God can't meet because he is the El Shaddai the all-sufficient one but even in homes where a father exists he's not celebrated he's tolerated even in a home where a father is there He's not given his place. You see it in sitcoms. You ever watch some of these sitcoms on TV? Who's the dumbest one in the family usually? The dad. Didn't used to be like that. Let me go way back. Y'all remember Leave it to Beaver? What was the dad's name on that show? Somebody help me. Ward. Ward was a G. Came home in a nice suit. Beaver, I need to talk to you. Rebuke him right there. Fix him. Boom, boom, boom. He was the man. Then my generation came up with, with uh, Bundy. What's his name? Al Bundy. This generation got Homer, System, Homer Simpson. Go, go. It's a ploy. It's a ploy. Because if, if Satan's going to take the family out, He's got to attack the foundation. What is the foundation of a family? The man, the father. Now, if this building here, I used to heard Miles Monroe say this years ago, if this building here had a, a, you know, a, a wind come through and ripped off the ceiling, the city would not come in and condemn the building. They'd simply rebuild the ceiling. Something happened and a wall came out, a car came through. The city wouldn't come in and condemn the, wall, the building because of a wall falling out. They'd fix it. But if something is wrong with the foundation, the city comes in and goes, this thing, no, it's done. Knock it down. It's unfixable. you got to start over again. So when Satan wants to come in and disrupt a family, who's he going to come after? The man. The husband. Oh, y'all ain't trying to hear this today. Because you've been raised to hear that men are no good. Men are dogs. Men are cheaters. Men are dishonest. You've been raised growing up thinking men are the problem when men are the answer. Someone's getting free here. Come on, husbands, just give her a nice little elbow right there. Did you hear that, baby? You hear that, baby? Baby, baby write that down. Write that down, baby. And you know, you should write it down. No apologies on that. You should write it down. Because if you don't know what he's for, you'll mistreat him. I know you're going to leave here. Someone's going, he's anti-women. No, I ain't. 
You can't marry a woman like Pastor Tina and be anti-women. It's enough said right there. Can I get a good amen on that? My track record speaks for itself. But I got to say some things. There are some of us in marriage right now, and I'm talking to all the married women's right now, so women's, I like that. All, all the married women, women's folk, you know. Telling all of us right now, so just, just take off the protective wall. and the, You don't need to dodge. I'm talking to you. Listen, we need to sometimes renew our minds as to what we, what we have. Because some of us always focusing on the bad, always focusing on the, the field, missing the treasure. We've got to adjust that, and we've got to remember what God has given you in your husband and celebrate him and teach it to the next generation. Because here's what, what, what many moms don't understand. The way you treat your husband is what you're treating your son to marry. So you don't feel it now that you don't cook for your husband and you don't clean and you don't take care of him. Husband comes, I'm hungry. Get in the kitchen and get it then. You don't feel that. But when Mijito gets married, and he marries a woman, and you're over there for dinner, and he says, babe, uh, could you get my mom some water? You get it. You're going to get all upset. And you know what's crazy? You got no right to be upset. Because you taught him to marry a woman like that. You taught him that's what love looks like. Because he saw for, a, for all his life, dad getting everything himself, getting no love, no respect. Now he falls in love. And he marries this woman. And you go over there, it's going to break your heart. And I see it all the time, and I hear it all the time, because remember, these, these are pretty big. <laughs> I can't believe the woman my, my son married. She don't do nothing for him. And she don't blah, blah, blah. Look in the mirror, baby. And then just do this right here. Shut it. Just shut it. Because just... <laughs> what would have happened, ladies? What would happen? If you would model the kind of woman that your, that your son is supposed to marry. You love that son, right? Listen, if you won't do it for your husband who you should value, do it for your kids. Well, I don't like to cook. I don't, I, I don't like to die. For anything, get up in there and let your son see you frying an egg. I don't know what this is right here. I'm making popcorn or whatever. Fry that thing. Show him. Demonstrate to him. You might not care now. You're like, oh, good. My husband, he could do. I hear, I hear single girls. I don't need. He, I'm going to marry somebody who's a cook. You know, it's not about cooking. It's not about male chauvinistic and women playing the role. You know what cooking is about? Selflessness. Yeah. 
So whenever I hear a single girl go, well, I'm just going to marry somebody that cooks for me. You know what I hear? Selfishness. Because one of the most selfish, selfless things you can do in a relationship is cook for somebody. Now, that translates to men. So I spent eight years of my life single cooking, learning how to cook. Hey, mom, how'd you make those beans? Come on, somebody. Mijito, it's time to stop just eating the beans and learn how to make them. Come on. Mijito, you know, don't just eat the rice. Mom, how'd you, how long did you put that rice in there? I would call my mom from Florida on the phone and say, Mom, show me how to make that rice. How do you do that? She would walk me through the steps because I was in Florida and wasn't nobody trying to make Spanish rice over there, <laughs> Mexican rice. So I'd be on the phone, you know. Mom, how do I do? Okay, I get that. And I, I was learning how to do stuff because that is one of the most selfless things you can do. So we don't understand that. So here's the thing. I want to close with this. I get 10 more minutes, it's going to help somebody's marriage, okay? Ushers, I might need to escort home. Thank you. Somebody will protect my tires out there from that slice. So the foundation's the man in this thing. Remember, how does it deal with missing pieces? Because the pieces are supposed to be met within the family. When the family's destroyed, the missing pieces begin to go, and people grow up in homes where they're not getting what they need to get. So if we're going to have the home restored, we've got to start with the foundation. The foundation is the man. How do we know that? We look at the book of, of Genesis, and we see Adam and Eve, and we see God's plan there, okay? What was it? He put man in the garden, which represented the presence and the will of God. When man had the presence of God and the will of God, then came Eve. Eve comes into his life. This is where you need to track with me. So Eve comes into his life, and there's the serpent. And one day, in, listen now, in order to get to the man, Satan can go through a woman. I want you to catch this now and hear it in the right words. I'm not saying women are evil. They're not. They're co-laborers. We need them. But see this way, just to give you women something so you don't get mad at me here, okay? Women were the answer to the only problem in a perfect world. In Genesis, the world was perfect. And God said, something ain't right. You know what was wrong with it? One no woman in it. Woo! It didn't rain. Sky was blue. Animals, you could talk to them. How you doing, dog? I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> Lions weren't attacking. Bears weren't killing folk. Everything's perfect. God says something ain't right. What wasn't right wasn't a woman. Now, that's important to say because this next part I'm about to say, I don't want you to think I'm disvaluing women. But what I want to expose to you is a plan of the enemy. Because many men have been destroyed by a woman, listen, that loved them. So if you love your, if you love your husband, uh, wives, lift your hand up real quick. This is exactly for you. This ain't for that floozy down the street. This ain't for that woman that don't love her husband. This is for the ones that do. So, when, so, so this is the plan of the enemy. So when Satan came to try to get Adam, he came through the one Adam loved, and he came to Eve. 
And he got Eve to eat of the fruit. And Eve took the fruit. And check this out. She ate of it. Nothing happened. She swallowed it, went down into her digestive system. Nothing happened. But then the Bible says she went to Adam and she gave it to him. And he ate it. And see, catch this. The foundation now had a crack. And the whole thing came down. Didn't happen when Eve ate it. Because remember, there's an order to this thing. Eve's important, but she's not the foundation. So Eve eats it. Nothing happens. She gives it to Adam. She loved Adam. Was she against Adam? Was she against Adam? I'm trying to help you. No. She wasn't. She loved him. She gives him the fruit. The whole foundation of the house falls. Sometimes when God wants to take down a man, he'll use a woman that he loves. Now, that's not a condemnation. It's a prophetic warning. And the biggest time, sometimes in the home, we spend so much time mad at our husband that we forget he's the foundation. We begin to be so focused on the flaws that we forget he's the foundation, and we begin to tolerate him rather than celebrate him. And then we begin to build homes where the man is simply tolerated, not celebrated. And who's celebrated? The babies. The babies. But here's the problem. One day the babies will no longer be babies. They'll be men. And they'll look for homes that are like their home, subconsciously. Those of you that love your, 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 your man cubs, your sons, you got to catch this. And you got to change a whole lot of stuff. I know it's hard. But you got to begin to model now on purpose the kind of woman you want your son to marry. Is it the kind that won't cook a meal for the dang family? Is it really that kind of woman? Is it really the kind of woman that won't clean up for the family? Is that what you really want the next generation to see? Or do you want to teach your son what a woman really like, looks like? And you know what she really looks like? She cares for the home. She cares for the foundation. She takes care of the foundation. Even though he's flawed, come on. Even though he's got some stuff, she understands he's the foundation. And when I take care of the foundation, my house stands. Are you catching this? So you can make it seem like I'm picking sides if you want to. I'm not. I'm just giving you biblical knowledge to save our kids and save this generation. And also so we could put the pieces that they need in them before they leave the house. Because here's the thing. Out of these 12 things, there are some things on this list that a woman, a mom, cannot give her kids. And there are some things on this list that only can be put in them by a father. And vice versa. But the problem we have in society, we tolerate men. And men, single men, listen, you got you to gotta choose wisely. You got to take another look at what you call a woman. Because it could be that subconsciously you're settling for what you came up in. And even though you said, I don't want that in my marriage, you're settling for it. Here's why. Because we all run to comfort. Things that feel comfortable, we run to subconsciously. Are you guys getting this today? Eddie, come on up here so people can think I'm getting ready to stop. (laughs) 
I wish somebody wanted change more than they wanted lunch. I, I really do. I really do sometimes. Listen, I respect your time and all that, but I really just wish someone would go, man, I want to get better. Why, Burger King can wait. Let, let, let me finish this. So, so we've got to get back to understanding what this thing's about. And it may sound like I'm really coming down on the woman right now, but here's the thing. Women, the greatest gift God has given you is influence. Many people have said, man, man is the head, but you're the neck. That's heavy responsibility. Nobody can hurt me like the per people closest to me. And I don't care how good of a person you are, if you don't know the purpose of a thing, abuse is inevitable. Maybe the man that you came up under wasn't a good man. That gets in you. That gets in your psyche. If you, if you had a dad that was abusive, if you have a dad that was hard, if you had a dad that was, uh, you know, any of those things, and now you're married, you could carry some of that stuff in. That's why we got to get your eyes off your past and onto God and his word. Because you might have grew up with a bunch of aunts and uncles or aunts that got around the table and talked bad about men. And that might be all in your psyche. You might have grew up with a hurt mom that all she did was tell you how big of a loser your dad was. And he wasn't there for you. And you, you got to get your ears and eyes off of all that past stuff and put it now on God the Father and get a paradigm shift in your thinking. Because you don't want to raise the next generation full of missing pieces. The missing pieces that I had growing up, I don't want to pass along to my son, my sons or my daughter. So I got to get them filled from God. And then I got to learn a different way of doing things. And today, before we leave, I want to pray for all the wives. Because I know, let me, let me just take down this thing of you saying it ain't me. I know it's every single wife in here. So I, I want to say that so that when I put this out there, you just don't go, it's not me. No, it's every single wife from the front to the back. Does that make you wrong? No. Sometimes it's just we don't know. Can I get an amen on that? And if there's any place that you can be imperfect, it'll be Elevate Life Church. Because we are not the church that is here for perfect people. We are not. Because if it was, I sure as heck wouldn't be pastoring it. We're the place where you become imperfect, missing pieces, full of holes, and find them in God. And so I touched on some things, and it might have hit a little close. Listen, you don't need to leave here feeling like a bad wife. You don't need to leave here feeling like, dang, I just feel like I'm messed up. No, all you need to do is the Holy Spirit sometimes has to show you reality so you can change the reality. And you find out, ladies, you have such power, such influence. See, you think the power to change the home is in him. It's really in you. It's really in you. If you take care of the foundation, love him, forgive him, serve him. Stand on your feet this morning. There's not a man in here that you do that to, he won't change everything for you. There's not a man in here that won't, won't turn his world upside down for a woman that celebrates him as the foundation. And 
there's always somebody in the crowd goes, well, I'll do it if he does this and if he does that. See, that's a victim mentality. It's a victim mentality. Because the victim says the power's in your hands. The power's in their hands. I can't do it because this person hurt me or they do this. No, you're empowered in Christ. You want a better family? Stop blaming. Start taking care of business. So I want all the wives just to come on up here to the front right now. All the wives. your eyes. Don't hear this as like a pro-man thing. Uh, that's not that. It's God the Father's been hearing your cries, ladies. God the Father has been seeing. Tina, come on up here. God the Father has been seeing the pain you've been going through. And this is his answer. His answer is in adjusting His answer is in you. You're better than the level you're at. And this might be hard for some of us because it can almost sound like God is not looking at some of the things you've gone through. Well, what about him, God? Well, what about him? Listen, God's going to take care of that. All God is trying to do is get you off of focusing on them, on those things, on him. He's not perfect. Yeah, we get it. But this is about your freedom. This is about your next generation. This is about your kids. This is about what's really important to you, your families. So Lord, right now, we stand before you as a church. We stand before you as people in need, having made mistakes. Even I, as I'm preaching this word, Lord, I haven't been the perfect husband. But Father, I don't preach from my experience simply I preach from the place and the authority of your word. And Lord, this morning we recognize the role, the area that we need to strengthen in our home is our relationships with the foundation, with the husbands. Celebrating them rather than tolerating them. Making sure that each woman here can never be used of the enemy to bring down their foundation. Even though they love them. I just see tears flowing all throughout here right now. It's all right, ladies. Just let it go. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. Husbands, I pray that you're back there just interceding for your wife right now. Interceding for your wife right now. Because you know what? God's doing a work in these ladies. And and, and, and your work is going to be cut out for you. Now, Father, we just ask right now, in Jesus' name, that all pride, all hurt, As I begin to lay hands on these women, as we begin to pray for them, I thank you right now that all hurt and all wounds will begin to melt. And the hard hearts will begin to break. And the excuses will begin to leave. And the dreams of strong families will begin to be a reality. We break generational curses right now. Some of us have come from a line of bad marriages. That is going to stop right here in Jesus' name. 
Now I'm going to spend some time ministering to these ladies up here, but I want to pray over you as a church. I want to release you. And unless you're married to one of them, husbands, you better stay here praying. I will come after you. No, no, no. I'll send Eddie after you, right? But you better stay here on their behalf, interceding for them, because God's doing a work that could eternally change what your family goes through. So, Father, I just thank you this morning. And I pray that if there's anybody here that needs prayer for anything, Lord, they would stay, they would stay around, Lord God, as we are possessing the missing pieces. Father, as we're shifting, there's some of you out there right now, you've put God behind your career. You've put God behind your hobbies. You've put God behind other things. And you're never going to find the missing pieces. If you won't do it for yourself, do it for your kids. But this morning, before you leave here, you need to have a conversation with God. And you need to say, God, whatever I've got to move, I put you first. I put your house first. I put connecting with you and your body first. And those of you that don't have fathers, you will find God the Father giving you the pieces that you need to be good fathers to your sons and daughters. Father, I bless the church right now. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to go, feel free to go. But if you want to stick around, have a conversation with God, go ahead and do so. Husbands, if you just want to stay back there.